side. Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity. And here comes Viander Cross. Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home. Naturalism the leader. Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down. Naturalism still in front. He ran out near the line, but Naturalism wins at a half length to Viander Cross in a bumping finish. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and the High Gang Group. Trainers strive to have horses spot on for race day. Fuel cells up, the right mental state, the right fitness levels. Equally important is the horse's capacity to recover quickly from racing and track work. The aim is to give owners every opportunity to win optimum prize money by keeping a horse in training for as long as possible. High Gain Recuperate is a powerful blend of electrolytes, B-group vitamins and vitamin E in paste form which can be administered after fast work and in the days leading up to a race to assist recovery. 30ml of Recuperate drawn from the 500ml bulk pack is the economical alternative to individual electrolyte and vitamin paste syringes. High Gain Recuperate powers performance and recovery. Visit the High Gain website and use promo code johntap.racing to receive 15% off your next Recuperate purchase. It's coming up four years since Kim War last joined us on the podcast. Another 160 New South Wales winners have come Kim's way since then, all trained from her Wyong base, which also incorporates an idyllic 50-acre property at nearby Gillaby. All of Kim's horses are spelled and pre-trained on that property and return during their racing campaigns whenever the trainer feels they need a little freshen up. Kim Waugh has been almost obsessive about horses since she was a toddler, and there's little doubt she spent more time in the saddle than she did on the ground in her early years. She's not the first thoroughbred trainer to start at the trots. Her first full-time job happened to be in the Bankstown stables of the late Charlie Parsons, a renowned horseman who reached the upper echelon of the trotting sport when he trained and drove the 1972 Miracle Mile winner, Bay Foyle. Kim wasn't content to be simply a strapper at Sydney Harness Meetings. By early 20s, she was driving in races, competing against legendary drivers and doing the job expertly. In a brief career, she drove 80 winners, including 20 at the now-defunct Harold Park Paceway, where she was a crowd favourite. She always knew she'd make the transition to the thoroughbreds, and she did that in the late 1980s. For the first few years, she rarely trained more than a dozen horses, but her talents were quickly recognised. Horses like Never True and Catapult put her fairly in the spotlight by winning 19 races between them, and she was off and running. In 2005, a Sydney Cup win with Matum propelled her to the big stage. Kim is very good to the racing media and was more than happy to give me some time today. Well, my girl, you've tightened a few girths since we last spoke <laughs> four years ago. Yes, definitely have, John. Being very busy, but uh, love every minute of it. I know you do. You've just come back from the Gosford Trials as we speak. 
And yes. with a spring in your step, you won three trials. Yeah, we only had a small team of four trialling today and a couple of two-year-olds having their first trial and was very happy with them winning their trials and um, one of the older horses as well. So it was a good morning. All went well. The Gosford trials are patronised by many of the top Sydney stables. Is this an indication of the enormous number of horses in work? Oh, definitely. It's a, it's um, become really um, very busy Sydney with um, su- such big trainers and uh, they just have to spread their horses far and wide. Mm. You're one of many trainers currently to be frustrated by these endless wet tracks. And the last thing you want when you're bringing a horse back from a spell is to race first up on a heavy track. It can flatten them. Yeah, it's been, it's been a really tough year, like, for all of us. Um, we've been had so much rain since January, really. We didn't have a, a very um, good summer, mm. and it hasn't stopped. We've been on heavy tracks for months, and it's been tough. I've been running horses first up on heavy eights, heavy tens, mm. which I'd never do. But um, it's either that or they go back to the paddock mm. and – You know, we've just had to assess them after their runs and see how they've pulled through. And we're noticing uh, they don't seem to have as many runs as you normally would on on normal tracks of a mixture. Um, They they get a bit tired and worn out quicker. Um, But we've just got to do our best to keep keep our business running. Mm. You've been turning up lately at places (laughs) you normally don't patronise. You won a race at Gunnedah the other day. Yeah, well, looking for better tracks. Of you know, mm. when you're doing looking through the um, the calendar and and saying, well, if we go here, we'll see how many we can take. You know, to Gunnedah or wherever, just to mm. get them on a nice track. You know, it's um, it's just the way it is at the moment. And we're we've had quite a nice week, so we're hoping that things are looking up. Mm. After a lengthy search for the right property. You and Mark found the perfect place a few years ago. 50 acres at Gillaby, literally 10 minutes from the Wyong Racecourse, Kim. Yes, we were very, very lucky, John. Um, we looked for, we had a property up here, only three acres, and we were there for the first sort of five or six years of being up, up the central coast. Mm. And we really enjoyed it, but we decided, no, we want something that we can actually develop and have all of our horses here mm. um, that um, aren't in work. And, oh, well, we looked at so many properties and um, missed out in one or two along the way. And mm. But as it turned out, it was a blessing in disguise because we ended up with the most beautiful property that um, only had the house and a cottage and a, a work shed mm. and, rest of it was just a cattle, all cattle. So it only was like barbed wire fencing and it was only three massive paddocks. Mm. So we actually got to design it exactly the way we wanted to. So mm. we're very, very lucky. Well, correct me if I'm wrong here. You've got no. 14 small paddocks which accommodate one horse. You've got yeah. six larger ones in mm. which three or four can frolic together New Zealand style. You've got yeah. a treadmill, you've got a big arena, 
You've got four permanent staff on the property and a gardener. You spell yes. them at home. You pre-train them at home. It's a perfect setup. It's and it's so close to everything. Like it's nothing to you know. Just the last minute, we want to drop one out here, you know, and um, it's ten minutes away from the track, and we can just change things up so quickly, mm. and you know, it just works really, really well. Um, that was the main thing when we're looking for a, a property too. We didn't want to be, you know, because the valley's very, very big, and uh, you can mm. be three quarters of an hour away in, you know, at the end of the valley and it's very windy. So we yeah. didn't want to be that we wanted to be trying to be really handy. So we had a bit of a list which was hard to find. But uh, no, we're very blessed and uh, very happy. Mm. You can accommodate 36 horses in your on-course stables but you mm-hmm. try to get them back to the property for a couple of days after a hard run, don't you, or for yes. even longer if they need a decent freshen. Yeah, for sure. You know, we just, you know, have a look at the horse and see how they're coping and how they've pulled up. And we're also really lucky because at the track I've got two barns um, and one of them has 10 yards. Mm. So... Um, we've got uh, horses that can go out into yards if they if they're a bit finicky in a in a barn area, mm. they've got the yards that open off the stable. So, you know they they really enjoy that just going out there and you know standing in the sun and mm. so it's it's a great atmosphere even at the track for them in our in our barns. Mm. Just before we take a trip down memory lane. Let's talk about one of your favourite horses, Trumbull. You made the decision to retire him recently after three or four indifferent runs. He goes out, Kim, as you'd know, with seven wins, eight placings, 655000 in prize money. He Mm. won a listed race. He won the Group 3 Sydney Stakes on Everest Day. He hasn't been showing that sort of form, has he? No, he, you know, he um, he went fantastic that day. He's, you know, he's very, very good horse. But um, then he had a heart arrhythmia. Yeah. He's an ex-prep and mm. he was just never the same. He yeah. was just never the same. You know, we done so many tests to make sure he was good everywhere. But um, sometimes things like that, um, they can recover very quickly mm. and we're not sure whether he had that again um, because it can be very hard to catch sometimes, you know. It, their heart can be back to normal by the time they walk off the track. Mm. Um, so, And we just sort of put it down to, in the end, um, he didn't want to let go. He, no. he would trap in a race, mm. but he, just, he wouldn't. He wouldn't run terribly, but he'd just stay behind the pack, you know, in midfield or something. And it just wasn't him. His work at home was brilliant, um, but race day pressure, he didn't want to know about it. And so he'd been a great horse to all the guys that were in him. They loved him and we had some really fun times with him. Mm. And I felt I had done all I could to try and turn it around if they don't want to do it anymore. You've got to respect that. Nice, I'll say you do. You've got him yeah. at home currently and when the yes. time's right, you'll place him with the right person. 
Yeah, well, we've got um, – I've got an arena here, as you know, so he's going to have a little bit of time off and he's already had a month and uh, he's bucking around so like he's looking for something to do. So mm-hmm. shortly we'll get um, him into the arena and start retraining him and uh, we'll find him a really nice home. Back to childhood days. You probably uh, can't remember your first time on a horse's back. No, not really. But I was very young. I was about four. Mm. <laughs> I, can, I remember lots of times. don't remember which was my first. Where did <laughs> your riding aspirations take you? I, I imagine Pony Club was a starting point. Yeah, mainly um, just used to um, love going to Pony Club and used to even ride the horses as I was a little bit older. But um, also Dave Campbell, um, he used to train a few racehorses. You know, he used to um, I used to ride work with him when I was only about 13 because mm. he trained at uh, Condal Park mm. at Bankstown. And he would take them to the track and there was a track outside behind the actual trotting track and we used to work them around there. And, um, yeah, so I was riding work at a really, really young age also. Mm. And just, yeah, look, at the end of the day, a horse, I was just in love with them. I was crazy for them. So Mm. my dad, I remember, used to say, oh, when you're a teenager, we won't see you with them. You know, you'll run off chasing the boys. (laughs) But um, he was wrong. Oh, was he wrong by a mile? (laughs) Now, when you were riding around the outskirts of that trotting track at Bankstown, you would have seen the pacers and the trotters, and in those days there were plenty of them. So that's obviously where your harness racing spark was ignited. Definitely, because my uncle was a trotting trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, He only had a small team and he lived at Bankstown. So as a kid, I used to wander down there as well and um, help him out. So I was just around a mixture of between ponies, trotting horses and racehorses from Mm. a very, very early age. You went to work for Charlie Parsons, not Mm. only a great trotting horseman, but a great horseman in every possible department. Didn't he have a Lovely, quiet demeanour around horses, Kim. Yeah, he was an absolute beautiful person, absolute gentleman. And he was like, you know, when you I was only a teenager and watching him and he taught me a lot. But watching him, he, he was so calm mm. and he used to get sent all these crazy horses because he had this reputation of being able to fix them. Yeah. And a lot thoroughbreds too you know they used to send him troubled thoroughbreds and uh used to spend a lot of time with them but he was just he was like the what you see now the horse whisperer back then he was like way before his time he was just a legend Mm. and the way he could get a horse to do something without even any effort it was never ever cruel um he was just a fantastic, brilliant horseman. He spent his latter years on a property at Kemp's Creek. And yes. anybody who had a problem horse would take it to Charlie and you'd see a yeah. queue there on weekends. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, Kim, I was on the queue myself once or twice. 
<laughs> yeah, I think um, plenty of people sent them to him, that's for sure. I experienced it myself watching what he used to do with them. Well, after plenty of practice driving fast work, you were itching to drive in races, and I'll bet those 20 trial drives took forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I loved it. I was just hooked on it, you know, and um, just couldn't get enough. And uh, just even just like getting up in the morning, I couldn't get there quick enough. I was so keen. Like I look back, mm. you know, when you think back to when you were that age and uh, even school holidays, I never had a day off. I'd be straight, you know, helping out and up early and um, – mm going to the track with them and just, uh, yeah, it was just something that was in my blood from from a little tiny kid. Mm. Do you remember your first winning drive? Yes, I do. Um, it was a, a ladies' race, actually, mm-hmm. at Bathurst. Yeah. And, yeah, it was an invitation and the horse was called Cora Maid and um, – that was my first winning drive, and I never went back to Bathurst again. <laughs> no, <that's... laughs> Do you remember it your first winner? Old. What about so Harold old. Park, Kim, your first winner at Harold Park? My winner at Harold Park, I, oh, gee, was it Real Bird? Could have been. Real Bird, that rings a bell. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Real Bird, my mm. first winner at Harold Park. Won a lot of races on Nipper Corazon mm. uh, there as well, but Real Bird was a great horse. Mm. And... Range Bill was my favourite. She was so tiny. Well, she's worth a tribute. She's worth a special mention. I can still see you with your blonde locks streaming in the breeze, winning (laughs) race after race on that tiny little chestnut mare with a boy's name, Range Bill. She was trained by a one-horse trainer and a real old mm. character by the name of Bill Jennings. She came yeah. from last Kim on several occasions. Oh, yeah. She had the best turn of foot mm. and she was the cleanest pacer, you know, just just and tiny. Like she was like 13 hands or 13 one or something. She was absolutely tiny but a big, really big stride she had for a little horse. Deceptive, wasn't she? Yes, yeah, mm. definitely. Well, you and little Ranji Bill became quite a combination with the Harold Park crowds in the 1980s, yeah. and I'm talking about crowds back then. Today's mm. young people in the sport, Kim, you talk about those days and crowds of yeah. 20, 30, up to 50,000 at the Inter yeah. Dominion in 1960, and they shake their heads in disbelief. Oh, no. Isn't it amazing how it's all changed? Mm. Yeah. You you were competing against some wonderful drivers in that era. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favourite? Any role model? I my favourite driver was uh, Johnny Binskin for sure. He mm. was just a legend. Yeah. He was a great driver, great to watch. So tactful, you know, and tact, his tactics were. Mm. He was always thinking ahead. He just he just outdrove everyone. <laughs> he was very good, and. Uh, and really good to learn off. Yeah, he was a good teacher. Man of few words. He didn't say a lot, but when he did it, it made a lot of sense. It paid to listen. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Now, yeah. Kim, not all trainers uh, enjoy the uh, the great uh, thrill, uh, the magic 
of winning on a metropolitan track with their very first winner. But you did at a Canterbury mm-hmm. midweek meeting, a little horse called mm. Prince of Jazz, and yeah. the jockey was Malcolm Johnston. I called that race and I can still see the kerfuffle yeah. going on in the parade yard when he came back in. Yeah. No, that was a great day. It was um, – I'd just started to train and I only had, I think, two two or three horses in work. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a beautiful horse, Prince Jazz, really good looking and had good ability too. He was nice. And, and Malcolm wrote him a treat, he did. Mm-hmm. He, um, it was a great day, very, um, very exciting. The first really nice horse you got to train was mm. a gelding by Red Tony called Never mm. True. You won nine with him, including five in town. You took yeah. him away in 1990 to win the South Grafton Cup. Mark de mm. Montfort was riding him uh, in most of his races at that time. Yeah. Well, Tracy Bartley won his first race on him. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. Did he? he Trace, won- yeah. He was yeah, your brother-in-law Trace. at one stage, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at that stage. Mm. And he won on him his first start, uh, not his first start, but his first win um, at Kembla Grange at 80 to 1 Damn on me. a heavy track. Yeah. So um, a little bit of history. And he's now training here with me at, uh, he's at Wild, Trace. He's a neighbour. Yeah, he's next-door neighbour. So just- that was... Yeah, but he was a great horse, beautiful horse. I paid $10,000 for him. I bought him off Doc Chapman. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had him and he had him for sale. So um, beautiful mm. looking horse and, oh, he was just such a nice horse to train. Mm. Well, as I mentioned, he was by Red Tony. And mm. now that you've mentioned Doc Chapman's name, Doc <clears throat> Chapman had a Group 1 winner by the same stallion. A bit later, Petrero. Yeah, Petrero, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was um, he was a good horse, Petrero. Doc was um, a very good trainer. I used to love watching him. I had a lot to do with him around mm. that time. The red, you know, when I had um, Never True, mm. I used to love how much he looked after his horses, and um, they all always looked amazing. And I. And I loved the way he trained. He didn't overcook horses, you know, mm-hmm. and he was um, very, uh, very fussy, very fussy with his horses. I'm very pleased you mentioned Doc Chapman because I am in the process of tracking him down to record oh. to record an interview for this very podcast. In fact, I was able to access his mobile phone number only this week, Kim, so keep your I ear out. I talk to him, I talk to him and, and his wife all the time. They're lovely. You, you do currently? To... Yeah, yep. Yeah, we keep in contact. Well, I hope I've got the right number. I might check it out with you later. Yeah. But, no, he's um, – no, he taught me a lot, Doc. I loved how professional he was and, and, like I said, very, very fussy and just loved things done properly, you know, and he was big and loud and everyone was scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> he did intimidate a few people, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, me included. <laughs> oh, he was a great character. Yeah, definitely. Let me throw a few names at you now as we pay tribute to some wonderful horses who played a part in establishing your reputation as a horse trainer. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one that will bring a tear to your eye, Catapult. Mm-hmm. 
11 oh. wins, nine in town, two at Grafton, including the Grafton Cup. And, Kim, mm. you recognise the talents of Scott Seymour long before mm. he got on the great mare Ethereal. He rode your yep. horse in the Grafton Cup. Yeah, he did, and that was his first group uh, win. Mm. Spots, yeah. So, and uh, he was a really good rider. Um, as you saw later on, he ended up very popular. Mm. But an absolute gentleman, lovely, lovely guy. So, um, I um, he was great. Horse catapult, loved him. One of my favourite horses of all time. Mm. Beautiful, absolute gentleman. Pleasure to do anything with. We had a lot of fun with him because he he raced till he was like eight year old, mm. and every prep he'd come back and give us another exciting prep, win a race and a few placings, and always win a good race for us. Yeah, had a lot of fun with him. And he was a son of the great Luskin Star, and yes. yet here here he was winning up to twenty four hundred meters. Yeah, he won it. Rose Hill as a two-year-old, over 1,200, Darren Beedman rode him. Mm. And then he won up to 2,400, so he's mm. very versatile. Richard Litt, the Warwick Farm trainer, has a horse called Catapult Racing nowadays. And yes. he's no slouch. He's won five races, but it must yeah. tug your heartstrings every time you hear his name called. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, brings back good memories. You wouldn't have called your property Martoom Lodge without good reason, and that reason is very obvious. You'd won four races with this suave dancer gelding leading into the 2005 Autumn Carnival. He ran second in the Canterbury Cup. Then he won the Group 3 Mannion Cup. He mm-hmm. ran fifth in the BMW, and yeah. then he went into the Sydney Cup with Darren Beedman on board. And he used trotting term, unpleasant trotting terminology, he raced in the death seat. He was outside the leader all the way, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Uh, great ride by Darren. And um, that was Darren's first Sydney Cup win. Mm. So it was, he, was, um, he was as excited as me, nearly, nearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads me to the following observation. You and Mark War were married not long after the Cup win and I yes. was very privileged to be uh, one of the guests and mm-hmm. I can still see you at the wedding reception with the gleaming Sydney Cup trophy sitting yeah. right on the bridal table and you <laughs> didn't let it out of your sight all day. No. <clears throat> well, we're still celebrating, John. It was only a week earlier, if you remember. Like, we were married. um, He won the Sydney Cup on the Saturday, Mm. and the week later, the Sunday week later, was our wedding. So Mm. it was one week after we won. So Mm. we're still all pretty much on a high. And and the guys um, in Martoum are very good friends um, of ours, and they were at the wedding as well. So Mm. it was just a great day. Mm. Well, the two things I remember most clearly about the wedding reception were the Gold Cup, the Sydney Cup, and the fact that half the Australian cricket team was there. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, we had um, a good crew, good crew there, and 
it was it was a beautiful day actually and it, it just um we we did it nice and simple and so it was no fuss and just for everyone to enjoy it and we, we had a great time. It took Omar to nine runs to win again, but it was a decent race. It was the Group 2 PJ O'Shea Stakes at Eagle Farm and you used a Melbourne jockey that day, Stephen King. Yeah, that's right. He actually rode him very well. I, um, I, was, I was impressed with that. Mm. First time I think he's had a ride for me, so I was very happy. Mm. But it was a good win. He had a little injury in between um, when he won the Cup to when he won the O'Shea. Mm. And um, so he had a little, you know, few issues and then he took a while to come back and so he, he won that day and that was... That was um, a big day too. You turned him out after an unplaced run in the Brisbane Cup and brought mm. him back in the spring. Now, despite not getting into the placings in about four runs, he made the Melbourne Cup field with Corey Brown yeah. in the saddle. Kimmy mm. started at odds of $201 and he yeah. ran a very cheeky sixth, about seven mm. lengths, behind those two Japanese raiders, Delta Blues and pop rock. But to have a runner who didn't disgrace himself must have been an indescribable thrill. Oh, it was fantastic. And also I knew he just loved the two mile. So, you know, I was um I kept saying ridiculous price, two hundred to one, you know. Mm. And that year was most probably one of our toughest um Melbourne Cups too with those two Japanese horses in it. Mm. But Corey came back and said, you know, he should have run third. He definitely should have run third. He got cleaned up at the half mile mm. and lost a bit of ground um, and then took him a bit to pick up again and get clear and just kept working home. So it was a shame we didn't run third. It would have been the biggest thrill of my life. But um, I was still so proud of him to run six. It was just a huge effort. Kim, I'll just get you to stand by for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll come back with Kim Moore after this. Talk to any country owner or trainer and they'll tell you the Tab Highway concept is bigger than the Everest. As soon as a horse strikes form in a country region, the trainer starts thumbing through the Racing New South Wales monthly magazine looking for a suitable Tab Highway at Randwick or Rose Hill. The owners of those horses can't wait to spend a weekend in the city and many of them are constantly trying to source the right kind of horse for future highways. A highway win has become a badge of honour for bush trainers who now have the opportunity to stand in the winner's circle on a major Sydney track. Most weeks, the highways prove to be great betting mediums and the stories they produce for journalists and commentators are never-ending. There's often an entertaining yarn to come out of the weekly tab highway. The midways cater for city and provincial stables whose horses meet the criteria. The tab highways are plainly and simply for the bushies, from the Riverina to the Western Districts, from the Hunter Valley to the Northern Rivers and the Tablelands. And all points in between, there are highway horses awaiting the call. You won six races with a horse called Enforced in the late 1990s. 
including mm. a Group 3 at Doomben, and before that he'd run second in the Queensland Guineas on a very dirty day. Do you remember the track that day? It was a bog. Oh, I do remember that. They, you couldn't even see the horses going up the back, mm. and there was um, lightning and thunder. Like, I couldn't believe – that was while the race was on. It was unbelievable. And they were trying – he was trying to call the race, and he, he was just making it up until they actually got into the straight. Mm. <laughs> we had no idea what was going on. But, um, yeah, he um, he hit the front, and then – the horse came right down the outside and just grabbed him. Ridden by Michael Pelling. I can't remember the yeah. horse's name. Yeah, I can't remember its name either, but uh, I remember it beat us. Spinning Con was a useful horse for you around the same time. You won eight with him. He ran nine mm. placings and he won a good stakes race, the Tattersall's Club Cup at Randwick. Yeah, he did. He was a he was a lovely horse, and we had lots of fun with him. And he um, he was owned by a guy called Con, so he used to call all these horses something Con. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had I think he did win about eight eight or nine races. Yeah, for sure. Mm. But um, no, he was he was a good old horse. You've been trying very hard to win the provincial championship final since it first started in 2015. Mm. You've had 13 or 14 runners in the finals. Mm. You've had two seconds, three thirds, and a couple of those seconds were very unlucky. Spring Charlie was one of them. Mm. Yeah, very unlucky Spring Charlie. He should have won for sure. Newsfam was another one that should have won. She got held up and oh, it was terrible to watch. And uh, But look, what do you do? We're trying hard to win it, but anyway, hasn't hasn't happened yet, John, but it's not without trying. You've got a very healthy opinion of a three-year-old called Conrad who's won two races so far at Wyong and Hawkesbury. Is it true that James McDonald has got a bit of a rap on him? Yeah, well, James has ridden him and um, he, he really likes him. He's got – look, I think he's got a lot of ability – We've had so many issues with him and and hopefully now we're on top of them. He's had a lot of trouble with his feet and um, just not the soundest horse, but we're nursing him along and I think he's touch wood, he's back and and, um, he should be racing very soon. But I really like this horse. um, He could win a really good race. So he's close to a race, is he? I see he's had three trials. Yes, and in between we had a couple of issues with his feet again. So he's looking good at the moment. So we're hopefully he'll be back at the races in the next couple of weeks. Great news is a nice mare. Lightly mm. race, she's won five. Yep. She's been placed in a couple of group threes. And mm-hmm. she ran in the provincial championship final recently, ran fifth, only beaten yep. the length. Yeah, she just things didn't work out for her that day. She went fantastic. She got beat a nose in the heat, and then in the final, she just hit the front too early at Ramwick and was a bit of a sitting duck, you know. Mm. Hit the front at the top of the straight, and she fought so hard that just the last fifty, they grabbed her. And um, but look, she she went 
very, very good. And it was just bad luck the way the race turned out, you know. You've been a key player in the Midway series since they started in July of last year. And in winning with French Bonnet recently at Randwick, you joined Kristen Buchanan at the head of the Midway trainers' table with four wins each. Isn't that an endorsement for Wyong as a training centre? Oh, for sure. Like, Wyong's come a long way in the last 10 years, you know. We've got some really good tracks there. We've got a great pool, pro ride, um, some couple of good sand tracks. You know, we're, we're, we've got everything we need um, and it's everything's just so handy. It's a really good little training centre. Uh, I love it. I'm just, you know, just so happy I picked here to move to because it's all panned out really, really well for me. I assume you've sent Bethancourt for a break after three recent Metropolitan wins. You stretched him out to 2,000 last run on a very mm-hmm. heavy track and he didn't yeah. cope, did he? No, he he did a little bit of work early in the race and then he was in front. Um, then from the half mile, a horse popped out, took him on from the half mile. He just he just had too much work to do and he just got tired the last, the last bit. But um, look, he's run second over 1,900 and... He's been placed a couple of times over a trip. I think he runs a trip, but um, on a heavy 10, doing that much work, it was just too much for him. No, he's not out, John. I've just given him a little freshen up since that run, mm. and he's going to run in a mile next uh, in a week's time next Saturday. There are three people and one family pet we must acknowledge before we terminate our interview, beginning with the Australian sporting icon to whom you've been married for close to 17 years. Mm. Mark War, that magnificent cricketer who retired from the sport in 2002 with over 8,000 test runs, over 8,500 ODI <laughs> runs on his CV, a pretty good bowler, a brilliant slips fieldsman who was once described in the 1990s by Sir Donald Bradman as the most elegant and graceful cricketer of his era. Is he listening? Oh, I'm sure he'll want to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any interest in cricket when you married this bloke? Well, I didn't really, but my dad and my brothers loved cricket. So cricket was around a bit, you know, growing up. And, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't, I never went to cr- cricket or anything. So I didn't have really anything to do with it. And um, I just met Mark at the races with some friends. And he was like always interested in racing before um, he knew me. Uh, way before he loved the racing, he loved the trots. As you know, he's owned lots of trotters, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, even yeah, always always gone to the races when when he could. But overseas, when they were playing overseas, he's told me lots of stories about he'd take a few of the boys to the races if they had a spare day. So 
always been a, a real, really passionate about the racing industry for sure. I assume that you've become an armchair expert as you watch the test cricket with your husband. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone has something to say, you know what it's like. <laughs> like my hunter. <laughs> but uh, I do I do really enjoy um, the Big Bash. I love that. I always sit up and watch that when that's on. And watch. I do watch um, bits of the, the test when it's on with Mark. He likes watching bits of it. So, um, And most of the time he's commentating too, so I'm not always around at that time. Well, he's concentrating on his media commitments these days and he mm -hmm. pours over the form of the Kim Ward trained horses in search of a likely winner. Is he a good judge? Yeah, definitely. I have to definitely uh, give him a wrap there. Um, he's very he does his form. He knows all the horses uh, everywhere and uh, not so much interstate or a bit in Brisbane, but not so much um, Melbourne these days. Um, he um, he knows the form really well in Sydney and the country, provincial, and he's a pretty good judge. I definitely have to say that. Your racing manager, Robin Hartney, descends from a strong trotting family and has been your best buddy since the days when you were working horses on the Bankstown Paceway. She worked for other trainers for a number of years, thoroughbred trainers, Yes. but was happy to renew an old friendship when you asked her to come back. For sure, yeah. Robin's um, been a friend since we're at, at pretty much it's still at school. So um, we've been great, great friends and um, she's worked for some great trainers. She's worked for Gay Waterhouse and and uh, John Thompson, Anthony Cummings, doing mm. the same thing she does for me. Um, racing manager and she does a great job, very good with the form also and uh, and very good programming. So she's my right-hand person. You still have a great association with Jay Ford, who was apprenticed to you when he first came up from Canberra. You've had a lot of success together and it's mm. good to see that he still rides for the stable frequently. Yeah, he does and... You know, I've got a real soft spot for Jay. He was my apprentice for the last few years and um, he's such a nice guy and just goes with the flow, you know, but uh, have great respect for him. He's a very good rider and he's just good to deal with and he's a, he's a good friend. Now, Kim, special mm -hmm. mention of Bully. <laughs> who gets more exposure on social media than any donkey in the world. Uh, I'm not sure that it's widely known that poor little Bully was rejected by his mother when he was only a few days old and you were the one to put your hand up. Yes, we, we, um, he was the property next door and the guy was away at the time and I found him in the middle of the paddock. I saw him there on his own and the mum was way over the other side. And um, I went and we uh, picked him up and he was tiny. He was like a little size of a dog. Like he was so small. I just picked him up and sat him on my lap in the car and Mark drove him back home. The guy that um, owned him, he was away and I got hold of him and said, oh, will you take him? I, I can't do anything about it. 
he wasn't that interested. So we brought him home. He lived in the barn and uh, had a little a stable and we fed him every three or four hours. And so we've had him like four, just over four years now, I think, and he's just a part of the yeah. part of the furniture. Very special boy. Now, apart from making a pest of himself, what is a that. normal day in the life of Bully? Oh, well, Bully's, we've got, um, he's got two other little friends he lives with, which is Daphne and Gloria. What, donkeys? Yeah, two other girl donkeys. <laughs> Daphne and Gloria. <laughs> yeah, that's after my late mum. And oh, my that's, late... Lovely. <laughs> that's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. So Daphne and Gloria um, bullies friends and he annoys the hell out of him. He's so, he's just a little stirrer. <laughs> but he gets out of the day and he wanders around the alleyways and goes and talks to the horses and they love and they'll, they'll have a little fight over the fence and scratch his back and it's, it's, um, yeah, they're all used to him. They all love him. Like everyone says, oh, horses are terrified of donkeys, but all my horses are used to the donkeys here. Yeah. And is it true that if you leave the kitchen door ajar, he's inside like a flash? Oh, yeah. Well, we he does come in now and then for a little treat. I, I still let him in because he used to come in as a baby all the time like and just follow me around waiting for me to make his milk. But um, <laughs> now he still thinks he can. And the other day he was at the front door. He got through the side gate, come straight to the front door, and we were in the office, which is right next to the near the front door. Mm. And you hear bang, bang on the wire door. And I looked at Robin, well, who's that? And I stuck my head out around the corner and it was him. And he's like, let me in. I said, no, bully, you're not coming in. And he's like, and he starts pouring at the door and hitting it with his nose. Oh, so yeah. we let him in. We let him in for a couple of minutes and gave him a couple of carrots and and said, okay, away you go. He's spoiled rotten, isn't he? Oh, he's very spoiled because <laughs> he's spoiled so much because he has such an amazing cheeky personality, you know. So um, he gets uh, he gets us all in. He gets his own way a bit. It sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> The establishment of your beautiful property, spelling and pre-training property, was a master stroke, as it turned out, and it complements the wonderful facilities you've got at the Wyong Racecourse, from which winners flow at the rate of knots. Mm. You haven't wasted a single opportunity, Kim, and I hope that special horse that every trainer dreams about turns up at your place sooner rather than later. Thanks, John. That's lovely. I appreciate that. Lovely to talk. Thanks for your time on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder, time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. 
check the website, mitavite.com or follow the Mitavite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitavite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world.